0: Chapter 8 of Carpenter's Geographical Reader, North America. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Carpenter's Geographical Reader, North America, by Frank G. Carpenter. Chapter 8 Our Foreign Commerce the largest hotels of new york are in the middle of the island of manhattan several miles above the point where we first reached broadway the one in which we stay overnight is not far from madison square and when we start out in the morning we are in the heart of one of the great shopping districts broadway is here almost as busy as it is down at trinity church and the side streets leading to it are so lined with store windows that passing through them is like going through a huge museum walled with glass cases goods of all kinds are here spread out before us and we see that every nation of the world has sent its products to new york for sale those bright-colored silks over there came from china they were woven on rude looms by yellow-skinned slant-eyed men and women upon the banks of the yangtze kiang they were brought to america on a steamship through the indian ocean by way of the red sea and the suez canal they crossed the mediterranean passed through the strait of gibraltar and thence to new york those rich velvets and laces were carried over the atlantic ocean from europe and those large diamonds which you see in that jewelry store were dug by black-skinned half-naked men in the mines of south africa there is a tea store which is supplied by the bushes which grow on the Himalaya mountains in northern India, and by the tea gardens of Japan and China. Next to it is a shop where you can buy coffee from Brazil and sugar from Cuba. That toy store has many French dolls and curious mechanical playthings which were made in the mountains of Germany. And that tiger skin rug which you see in the window next door once covered the body of a beast that prowl through the jungles of northern hindustan there are other things all about us from every part of the world and we resolve to go to the wharves and see the great ships which bring these things into our country we walk down twenty-third street and take a ride through the air to the lower part of the island the city though narrow is so long and the streets are so crowded that it takes the horse-cars and cable-cars a long time to go from one end of it to the other in order to make the journey more quickly elevated roads have been built over some of the avenues upon these roads trains of cars are drawn by locomotives almost as rapidly as on an ordinary railway the railroad tracks are supported by iron columns which extend to the height of the second or third story windows we have to walk upstairs to get to the cars and we find ticket offices and newsstands on the elevated platforms. Our tickets cost us five cents apiece. We drop them in the box at the door of the station and rush for the cars. As we step aboard, the guard closes the iron gates at the side of the car platform, and the train begins to move. The cars have windows like those of a street car, and we can see into the upper stories of the houses as we fly along the street here women are washing clothes there they are cooking here we go by a shop where tailors are working and there we pass buildings given up to manufacturing new york has more factories than any other city in the country it has hundreds of thousands of people who do nothing but make things to sell and if every man woman and child in the united states would throw six dollars into a pile they would not altogether give enough to buy the goods which new york makes in one year but here we are at the wharves what a crush and jam there is all about us we ask policemen to help us across the streets through the crowds of wagons carts and trucks loaded with goods on their way to the boats we walk for miles past great docks upon each of which there are enormous long sheds filled with bales boxes and barrels and in which scores of men are at work loading and unloading vessels new york has more than twenty five miles of waterfront on manhattan island alone and there are also long lines of wharves and landing places on the long island shores more than half of all that is bought of foreign nations by the united states comes here our imports consist with the exception of a few things that cannot well be raised in america almost altogether of manufactured articles we are the greatest manufacturing nation of the world but our factories are not yet numerous enough to supply all our needs and so we import much from other countries the amount of money we spend for goods brought in this way is so great that if it were divided among all of our people every man woman and child of us would get ten dollars worth every year and there would be some to spare. Nearly half of all that we sell to other countries is carried out on ships which sail from New York, and we here get some idea of our foreign commerce. More than 3,000 steamships come from foreign countries to these wharves every year. There are thousands of sailing vessels, and a procession of steamers is always moving back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean, carrying our goods to the people of Europe and bringing their goods to us the most that we sell comes from our farms we raise more farm products than we can use and the united states is to a large extent a big country store for the european nations every year two thousand ships laden with grain set sail out of new york the steamers have their holds filled with grain in bulk and between the decks the wheat is piled up in bags such vessels are loaded very quickly and almost half a million bushels of grain can be packed away in a ship in an hour vast amounts of meat and other provisions are sent across the atlantic every week and millions of dollars worth of cattle are carried away to be killed in europe for the people there the people of both europe and asia send to this big country store for a large part of the oil which they use in their lamps our petroleum is carried over all the oceans it is shipped from new york baltimore philadelphia and other places in what are known as tank steamers a single one of which will hold as much as thirty thousand barrels of coal oil these steamers are divided into half-dozen or more huge tanks the oil is pumped into the tanks and it remains there in bulk until it is again pumped out upon the wharves of the great ports of europe asia and africa it is in vessels of the same kind that molasses is brought to the united states from cuba think of the biggest house you have ever seen as one solid box and let it be filled with molasses and you may get some idea of the sweetness which protected only by a thin sheet of steel is thus carried through the salt waters of the ocean we visit ships at the wharves which are loaded with cotton this comes from the cotton fields of our southern states and is carried in bundles or bales to europe and asia to be made into cloth we sell more than twice as much raw cotton every year to other countries as we do wheat and flour cotton is in fact the most valuable of all the articles which the rest of the world buys in our store we sell about two-thirds of all the cotton we raise and we sometimes get as much as two hundred million dollars for it from europe in a year we learn that we sell more goods abroad than we buy and that in some years the other nations of the world pay us many million dollars more than we pay them our chief trade is with europe the english are our best customers we sell them large quantities of raw cotton breadstuffs and meats for which we get several times as much as we pay for the manufactured articles which they sell to us the fastest steamers in the world are those which go between europe and america some steamships cross the atlantic in less than six days and they go so swiftly that they have been called the ocean greyhounds we visit one of these steamers which has just arrived at the wharf and find parts of it fitted up like a parlor it has large dining rooms sitting rooms bedrooms and bathrooms and we see that people can live quite as well now upon the water as upon the land we look at the enormous engines as strong as twenty thousand horses which drive the huge ship through the water and we are surprised when told that its furnaces use up every day as much coal as would heat thirty large dwelling houses for a whole year away down in the lower part of the ship we find what is known as the steerage this part is not so well furnished. It is full of poor people who have come from Europe across the Atlantic to our country. Such people do not land at this wharf. They are carried to the landing place of the Department of Immigration near the lower end of Manhattan Island, where officers of the government examine them to see if they are likely to become good citizens of the United States. We are glad to have persons from all parts of the world come here to live and help develop our lands but we do not wish to bring in among us those who are unable or too lazy to work and who are likely to go into our poor houses to live so the government has provided that all poor people coming into new york must be examined before they can land if they have no money whatever and seem to be worthless they are sent back to europe but otherwise they are permitted to stay for years, the poor people from all parts of Europe have been coming to America because they can make more money and live better here than at home. Since 1820, it is estimated that more than 15 millions of such people have arrived on our shores, and in 1890, almost one-half of our inhabitants were either born in other countries or were the children of people born there. We visit the place where these immigrants land here we find ourselves surrounded by hundreds of odd-looking men women and children very few of the women wear bonnets and many of the men have caps or queerly shaped hats there are many english and irish and a large number of germans there are dark-faced italians and long-bearded jews from russia and poland there are people from norway and sweden and we see boys from holland who wear wooden shoes every person has his baggage with him and some sit on piles of bedding which they have brought from their homes they seem strangely out of place but as we look at them we realize that they are strong and able to work and that most of them in a short time will be good american citizens we take a boat and sail over to bedloe's island in the harbor to see the magnificent statue of liberty enlightening the world this statue is intended to show every one who comes into new york that this is a free country where the people rule themselves and where all the world can learn to be free the statue is as high as a very tall church steeple we get some idea of its size when we learn that forty men have stood inside its head at one time and that its forefinger is so long that it would reach from the floor to the ceiling of an average room and so big around that the hoop of a flour barrel would just about fit it if used as a ring as we leave the statue and go back to new york we have a fine view of the brooklyn bridge which unites that part of new york known as brooklyn with manhattan island this is one of the most wonderful bridges ever made it is an immense structure of stone and steel more than a mile in length crossing the waterway called east river the bridge cost more than the capital at washington and one of the most interesting things about it is the story of how it was built it was designed by john a roebling who died before it was begun his son took up the work and after thirteen years it was completed the young man worked so hard in superintending the building of the bridge that he broke down in health and the doctors refused to permit him to go out of the house this was after he had worked only three years still he superintended the work to the end he took a house on columbia heights not far from the bridge and with windows looking out upon it here from his sick-room with a telescope he watched the builders day by day and hour by hour for ten years as they built the bridge sending his orders as to just how everything should be done and superintending the work almost as well as though he had been on the spot we close our day by a visit to central park the great playground for the boys and girls of manhattan island it is full of interesting and beautiful things and is one of the finest and most famous parks in the world prospect park on the brooklyn side of east river is another delightful pleasure ground but we cannot visit it now after another restful night at our hotel we take the elevated road for the grand central railroad station where we board a train for new england End of chapter eight